Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. This weekend was huge for me in NBA. Luka Doncic was a wizard despite playing on a sprained ankle and without Kristaps Porzingis. Doncic was able to put together a 40-point triple-double and pull off the underdog win for your boy and even the series with the Los Angeles Clippers. Awesome game. Luka is proving to be the next big thing in the NBA. So take advantage of all sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. There is also always the online casino as well. It never closes. So go ahead, head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are going to get into the full swing of the show. But first, as always, I am your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez. You can follow us on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Like, download, subscribe, and rate. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore in honor of Bet Online joining the show. We have a gambling focused and fantasy football focused show for you guys today. I'll give you out my five sleepers and some best bets in everyone's favorite segment. Show me the money. But let's get the ball rolling with some Giants news. And this actually doesn't have to do with the football team itself, but more of the New York Giants Podcasters Classic. We had a draft involving the holy trinity of Giants podcasters, including Murph and the Mage, Talking Giants, Emperor Mara, Bleeding Blue, Back Row Giants, and the Giant Take podcast. We have all gotten together and formed a 12-man fantasy league with bragging rights severely and significantly on the line. A big shout-out to Just a Giants Fan podcast for putting it all together. He's, of course, in the league. That is the commissioner and... Fellas, for the first time in five years, I have finally got a top two pick in a fantasy football draft. I've gotten so used to picking so late and playing different strategies that you never really prepared for getting one of those top two guys. And so being a Giants podcast, number one overall was none other than Saquon Barkley taken by my colleague Murph. And I gladly took CMC at number two overall. But then the challenges came in. Because this league, we decided to do two flex. One will be a super flex, which means anything is in play there uh, in regards to players for wide receiver, tight end, running back, or quarterback, which then makes quarterbacks a lot heavier. Quarterbacks went flying off the board. Mahomes went fourth overall to start things off. Uh, He was projected two overall. I decided to stick with running back because I do think 
that's always the better play in the first round. That's how you win a championship. But Mahomes went four overall, and then five quarterbacks would go within the next 20 picks. So in that late second round, I decided to go with Deshaun Watson to get my guy, get a quarterback. And then with the rap pick, I took arguably the steal in the draft in Joe Mixon in the third round. That's the farthest I've seen him go ever, at least this year. And that's where we're going to begin my five fantasy sleepers. And although Mixon's a projected first round pick, obviously with me now getting him in the third and I'm seeing him fall later and later, I think it's time to harp on the Joe Mixon bandwagon just a little bit more here for you guys. And I'll start with this. He had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. And in regards to last year, the Bengals were so bad that the fact that he was able to do anything is already winning me over. And yeah, that's a cookie-cutter way to look at this, but obviously a team that was that significantly bad will gradually improve and you take the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow and you just assume offensively they'll slowly start to figure it out. They have an offensive-minded head coach. And so, yeah, maybe Mixon won't necessarily do much better than rushing for 1,300 yards. Yeah, but he's going to increase in catching passes. Mixon finished with 35 passes caught last year. And in PPR, he finished right outside the top 10 at 13 overall. And when you just quickly compare it to the year before for him, where he caught over 40 passes... He caught 43 passes in 2018. He finished as a top 10 standard running back and a number 10 ranked PPR running back. He averages over four yards a carry despite those putrid offensive lines that are slowly getting better. And I think they're definitely taking a stride in the right direction this season. But the year before, other than this year, it was 409 yards per carry. He had 493 in 2018. I mean, if he meets that in the middle... And can increase his pass receptions? I mean, forget it. This guy's the limit. In 2018, he only scored one receiving touchdown. Last year, he scored three and he caught less passes. If he could somehow put it all together, he also only had five rushing touchdowns compared to the eight in 2018. But if he could put it all together, manage a thousand yard season at like four and a half yards a carry, get those touchdowns, rushing touchdowns up to six, seven, and match his receptions at 40 with like two, three touchdowns, you're looking at a solidified eight to 10 running back here. And for me, you target him at the end of the first, but a lot of people are hesitant on it. They're hesitant on the offense. And even here, even in this league, yes. Okay. It's super flex, but a lot of the guys going before him, you can't necessarily justify, you know, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders. I'm not sure. Even Dalvin Cook, You know, Dalvin Cooks is a projected top seven pick, but with all the shit going on with COVID and his contract and just the way things go and his injury concerns, I would much rather, and I have talked about this with Mage on this podcast before, but in a dynasty league, I took Mixon over Cook because I would rather that situation and a mass majority don't feel that way. And that's why, yes, Mixon isn't a pure sleeper. But to a lot of people, he's definitely not given the respect he deserves. And I think if he increases his receptions, it's a wrap. You think he's easily a top 10 PPR running back. And let's let's move. Let's stay on this train of pass-catching running backs. And because I mentioned the lead back in Cleveland, let's talk about the backup. 
And let's talk about Kareem Hunt, who, guess what, probably really won't be the backup. You know, a lot of people hype Nick Chubb, and it's deservingly so. I think Nick Chubb is very talented. But him getting these concussion concerns early, and again, a lot of uncertainties in the season, and you don't want to jump on every red flag or every nicked-up injury in training camp, sure, yes. But even last year, I took a flyer and a stash in a 14-man league, deep league, on Kareem Hunt. He only played eight games last year, but in five of those eight games, Hunt caught at least four passes, and in all but two games, he had double-digit fantasy points in PPR. Hunt right now is going as RB30 and 70th overall, which is okay. You know, I understand that. He's not a solidified one, but the amount of guys that go before him make you scratch your head a little bit and he's starting to climb up the board because of the injury but I think regardless if Chubb plays or he doesn't Hunt has standalone value and is a very very sneaky flex utility option in PPR leagues because even if Chubb plays he's going to be working out of the slot in two running back sets like they did last year and at the least he's going to be a third down guy and as a former league leading rusher The talent isn't a question for Hunt. It's the opportunity. And I think he's going to get more and more opportunity in Cleveland this season. So don't be surprised if you see Kareem Hunt, where he's being projected now as a three, as a running back three, flex. He could be an RB2 by the time this is all said and done, especially if Nick Chubb decides to miss some time or that concussion lingers on him a little bit. Now let's go over to number three on the list here. And this is in order, but it's no particular order. And I have other guys that, of course, are sleepers. And it's hard to condense this list down to five people. And so what I did here, I put two people at the number three spot because I wanted to talk about the New York Jets a little bit. And someone I'm really high on. And it's he's a sleeper because he really hasn't played in two years. But tight end Chris Herndon. He is a guy that, if he can stay on the field, in the current situation of how the Jets are, can eat in that offense. The tight end in the Jets' offense has room to be a reliable fantasy guy. Hasn't been proven, but I think he could be the guy that would make him a reliable fantasy guy because of his skill set and the lack of reliable pass catchers there. Herndon is taking a stride in the right direction, and you hear you know, you know, hear reports out of camp. And again, grain of salt, reports out of camp. There's plenty of reports on everyone. But Herndon and the other guy I'm going to match him with on this list, Jameson Crowder, who Herndon goes nearly undrafted. He's tight end 21, and Crowder is wide receiver 47, 130th overall. He'll go 13, 14th round. And so... An absolute steal on either of those guys if you're just looking for a filler or you're lacking depth or you waited on a receiver, which I do ten- I tend to do often, and really, really has room for growth. Crowder had at least six targets in nine of the last ten games. He had the second most touchdowns in his career last year with six. And if he even takes any more steps up, he's at least a wide receiver too. And he's being drafted way under that appreciated value. 
And I know there's question marks in regards to the Jets, and I don't think they're going to be very good. But you fantasy players know the key to some good fantasy players is the fact that their teams stink, and they're always behind, and they'll have to throw the ball a bunch. And I think Crowder, maybe it won't always be pretty, but in that offense, and Herndon too, can put together at least four or five receptions a game. And if they match it with yards or score a touchdown, you won't miss a beat in terms of fantasy that week. So those are two guys, and I know why they're going undervalued because no one really wants to rely on the Jets. It's a reason why Lev Bell is falling too. But as much as I shit talk Adam Gase, he's supposed to be good at offense. If he can figure out the offense at all, Herndon and Crowder will be the guys to benefit from it. But now let's stay in the AFC East and we'll switch over to another guy who hasn't necessarily played all that much. And this is a guy that will be in a spot to either capture the opportunity and seize the moment or kind of let it slip away and hand the ball to the veterans. But Nikhil Harry is a very interesting prospect to me. And maybe he's more of a sleeper in Dynasty than redraft. Redraft leagues, he's almost going undrafted. Wide receiver 60, 155 overall. I liked Harry out of Arizona State. I like his build, and although he's slimming down, I think he's going to be the red zone guy aside from the tight ends in that Patriots offense. Look, the ball's got to go somewhere. Sanu is Sanu, and Edelman is wait to be seen because, yes, he's great. He's very reliable. He's a PPR guy. But without Brady there, we'll see if that chemistry meshes. I think Harry has the ability and the skill set and the build to be the touchdown getter on that Patriots team, especially with Cam. And so, again, these are guys, these are deep sleepers. These are pretty much undrafted people. But take a flyer because he has the chance to be a wide receiver one. I mean, maybe not on your team, but on the Patriots. And a wide receiver one on the Patriots should have some value. And will add depth to your bench. So the numbers won't jump out at you because he hasn't really played. He played like three games last year. But the opportunity is there for him. I think it's a guy that a lot of people forget about. A first round talent that, hell man. If he could somehow gel and find chemistry with Cam Newton. He could be a big time sneaky play for a lot of leagues out there. Especially in Dynasty. In Dynasty last year, he was a first-round rookie pick for a lot of teams. So a lot of people are sitting on him or don't know what to do with him. I would say sit and wait. Give it one more year. It doesn't hurt. And this year, if you're going to take him, it's only going to be value or potential value with upside. And speaking of upside and potential value, here's a guy that will wrap up our list and is very interesting because I've seen him taken everywhere. If you take Dalvin Cook early, you try to handcuff him right away. I've seen him from 10. I see him at 133 overall, late 13th round, 12th round, running back 44. I mean, he's all over the place. But Alexander Madison, his numbers were sparing as a backup, to say the least, last year. But the opportunity wasn't necessarily there for him. Whereas he has a chance, if Dalvin Cook doesn't play, To be an RB1 behind a solid offensive line. And so 
Again, if you look at his previous numbers or what he's done in his sample size, it's not going to wow you. But compared to a lot of other rooms and situations, I'll take that. The Vikings are one of the most running back, run-heavy offenses there are. Especially with Diggs gone, they will look to run the ball. And that's why everyone's so high on Cook. And that's great. I get that. But Cook scares the living hell out of me. He does. All the talent in the world. But I would rather take the flyer 12th, 13th round to fill my bench with Madison with a chance to take him as a potential RB1 if the contract situation doesn't work out with Cook and wait for that upside, then take Cook in the first round and be scratching your head scared shitless the whole time or then have to take Madison too early because you need to lock down that handcuff. If Madison's there, I would take him anywhere after the 11th depending who's on the board because I think the upside's there and in certain leagues it's worth a grab and a stash because ultimately those are the type of plays and gambles that will benefit you in the long run and win you fantasy leagues. The guy who has Dalvin Cook will eventually need to trade you a haul for him or you keep him and you can start him depending the league, standard, redraft, whatever. RBs are the key to success. And so... If you can find a potential RB1 and another one, and he's here in my sleepers or the honorable mentions of sleepers, uh, and Damian Harris, that's another guy. If you can take these guys that are going undrafted with your last couple picks when you really don't know who to take, and they have the chance to potentially become an RB1, you do it 10 times out of 10. Because any and all RB1s at that point of the draft, or even with the potential of doing that, and a lot of the Redskins running backs are are the same thing. That one's a little more crowded, whereas Madison, it's just, you have to wait and see what Cook. But all the Redskins running backs are falling too, and it's a matter of who you'd rather take and kind of take the flyer on. But I really like Madison if Cook can't figure it the hell out contract-wise or hurts himself with another injury. But Damian Harris is on the honorable mentions, and another guy who is being disrespected. This isn't too much of a sleeper, but Odell Beckham Jr., my God, I've seen this guy go from everywhere from late third to like the sixth round. Dynasty included. I mean, come on, guys. Really? He's still young enough, talented enough. I know he hinted in an article about the whole like potential retirement thing, but I'm not buying it. I saw him make an incredible grab over two defenders in training camp. The guy's buying in. And I think he knows maybe his time in Cleveland is done soon, especially in Dynasty. I would get Odell more for where he's going to go in his career than where he is right now. We have Odell, a guy who could be a big-time wide receiver to flex guy in T.Y. Hilton. He's slowly starting to go higher and higher in drafts, too. Not too much of a sleeper anymore. I got him much later early on in drafts. Uh, I saw him go in the fifth yesterday. He's He's being taken as a wide receiver, too. Uh, which is deservingly so. When he's healthy, he is. Uh, it's a wait-to-see thing with Phillip to see if that chemistry is exactly there. But again, from what we see in training camp, it looks like it's gelling fine. So T.Y. Hilton, the big play guy, he's literally the boomer bust pinnacle of fantasy football, but really can boom you into wins on a week-to-week basis. And then two tight ends. Younger guys, always good to find other tight ends. Uh, later in the round, if you don't want to necessarily take a tight end too early or they're all gone. So I mentioned Chris Herndon, who's undrafted for the most part. But Noah Fant goes about round 10-11. 
and Irv Smith will go about two, three rounds after. Both those guys are second-year tight ends that can really find themselves taking a step forward here. But that's it for our sleepers and fantasy talk. Let's get over to my best bets, and let's get ready to show me the money. Show me the money! Show me the money! Yeah! Louder! Show me the money! That's it, brother! But you got to yell, Lester! Show me the money! I need to feel you, Jerry! Show me the money! Jerry, you better yell! Show me the money! All right, let's waste no time and get right into it here as we're going to go over first the MLB futures that we've already laid out and update you on where they're at. Luis Robert looks all right for AL Rookie of the Year. Kyle Lewis is hot on his tail and is most likely going to cause some problems for that bet. But aside from Luis Robert, the Aaron Judge MVP bet didn't look as good as I thought it did at first. But it's looking better now. Why? Because he's actually going to play baseball. And that's always encouraging. I thought if Trout would be hesitant this season and maybe get worried about COVID or just opt out or do something, it would be judges to lose. But Trout is not going anywhere. He is going to make this one very difficult. He is still the favorite at plus 300. And judges' odds have gone back down, not to where we first got it at, at plus 900, but he's at plus 800 now. Again, I stand by it. I think the Yankees can finish as one of the top teams in the AL. And I think if that's the case, there's a very strong chance if he finishes where he was at, Again, Judge missed about a week two. Is still at nine home runs. Still amongst a lot of the top guys in baseball. He has some work to do to catch up and really make sure people remember that he is that good. And I think if he can get the Yankees out of the funk, at least offensively, that they've been in, you'll see the importance he is to the team. And I'm still believing that he can win this MVP. Uh, It's not over yet. There's still a lot of season left, but we will see. But I did want to talk about the NL MVP. And there's someone I glaringly missed when I talked about this with you guys because I was just doing the whole could-be-best-team thing and I was going with the Dodgers and named three of five Dodgers. And they're so stupid. Because Fernando Tatis was in that same division and I didn't see it coming. I knew how good he was. But all this hype about Acuna Jr. being the next face and phenom and... You know, I really bought into it, and I still think he's great. But you know what? I think Tatis, this season, and he is now the favorite to win NL MVP at plus 350, and I've laid the money on it. Um, He's my guy here at NL MVP, and I'll tell you why. I think he's going to win the gold glove at shortstop. The Padres are playing out of their minds right now. The Slam Diego Padres, after the whole 3-0 thing, it has sparked this team for the better, and I think... He is behind all of that, and just that alone would have been, like, something to sell me. But then you throw in, he leads the MLB in RBI and runs scored with 29, home runs with 12, and is top 20 with a 316 average. And he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the league, or the best. So at plus 350, yeah, he's going to have a lot more comp than Trout, whereas Trout's at plus 300 right now. I still think Tatis, despite all the Dodgers hype and Mookie playing out of his mind, if he puts together a season like this, as complete defensively and offensively as it it has been so far, forget it. He's the NL MVP, or at least should be, and I think it'll be the start of his young 
rise and dominance for the foreseeable future at 21 years old in this league. So if you don't know, now you know Fernando Tatis is real and he's here to stay. But we're going to do something a little different now. Shift out of baseball. We talk football. We've done NHL. Now we're going to talk a little basketball here. Because like I mentioned at first, when I talked about our guys at betonline.ag, Luca helped me hit a bet this week. Hit a step back game winner. Resulted in a double bang bang from Mike Breen on the call. It was electric. It was awesome. I'm still at even, but it was awesome. But let's talk NBA. And I'm actually not going to talk about the Mavericks here. I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Because the Los Angeles Lakers woke up. The Trailblazers winning game one woke a sleeping giant. And I don't want to sit here and just talk about how I think the Lakers are going to win the NBA Finals. I felt this way for a while. I think LeBron's a man on a mission. And the fact that Anthony Davis has finally decided to realize how nasty and good he is at basketball. And take over games with his mismatch abilities. Are just going to be too much for most of these teams to handle. And seeing how the Clippers and, you know what was playoff piece struggling against the Mavericks. I just think it's the Lakers to lose. They're at plus 275. And aside from them, I really just like to entertain the East teams because I don't see the Rockets as a threat to the Lakers. And the Clippers are just proving more and more that they ain't got the sauce either. So then who in the East? Well, I think the Eastern Conference Finals will feature at least one of these two teams. It's going to be the Heat or the Celtics. And the Celtics are more favored at plus 900, but the Heat at plus 1,800. You know, it's interesting to me that they just pulled off that sweep to the Pacers, and the Pacers aren't anything to write home about. But the Bucks lost to the Magic in Game 1, and yeah, they showed what they could do to them after. But that mental lapse, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the Bucks, and I would rather... Take a team that wins and commands games that they should command in the facet that the Celtics and the Heat both did in their sweeps. So with those bets, it's going to be similar odds here. I'm going to do an NBA final matchup bet. It's going to be Celtics versus Lakers at plus 900 and Heat versus Lakers at plus 1800. Same odds as if you wanted to bet on the Celtics or the Heat to win the championship outright. But I like either of those matchups. And with that said, I'm going with the Celtics to win the series over Toronto at plus 125. Now, I know there's a lot I'm throwing at you, but feel confident about the Celtics. The Lakers are ultimately going to win the NBA title. And I really like how the Heat are built. Long run, sure. But this year, I do think they could put it together this year. They have the depth. They have the coaching. They have the big men. I would not sleep on the Heat making a run, especially in this bubble, with the three-point shooting they have to make the NBA Finals or the bubble finals, whatever you want to call it. So Lakers plus 275. You got the Celtics and Heat. Celtics plus 900. Heat plus 1800. We have NBA Final matchup previews in Heat versus Lakers at plus 1800 and Celtics versus Lakers at plus 900. We like the Celtics to win over Toronto at plus 125. And we're going to give an update on the MVP futures. Fernando Tatis will claim the NL MVP this year and solidify the start of his young dominant legacy. 
and potentially the gold glove. I don't think you could bet on that, but that's a safe bet. And I'm still riding with my guy, Judge. I haven't fallen off that bandwagon yet. I'm here for it. He's coming back. He's going to turn the Yankees around. And somehow, I don't know how, but maybe Mike Trout won't win the MVP this year. I think it's going to be very difficult, but it's well worth the long shot odds. So with that said, guys, thank you again for tuning in. As always, big shout out to our sponsors in betonline.ag. You could also check me out on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website, BLEAV.com. Please be sure to like, download, rate, and subscribe on all those platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself, at Tino Rodriguez. If you're interested on how the New York Giants fantasy team looked, my complete team, you can check it out. It's up on the Twitter page there at NYFootballPod. Feel free to shoot me any questions, guys. Love interacting. Love hearing what you guys have to say. As always, be safe. Talk to you guys same time next week. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube